Hello and welcome back to the Quacked Out Podcast. I'm Charlie, joined by Reed. Uh, Reed, how has your week been so far? It's been a good week. Uh, been good to to get a few rewatches in of UCLA. It was a fun game to rewatch. I think it's a game I'll probably rewatch again in the off season, even. Um, so it's always nice to get an extra rewatch game in the in the mix that I can go back to when I want to. What about you? Yeah, definitely. I agree on the rewatch part. This is definitely the second best game to rewatch for the Ducks this year uh, <laughs> so far. What was the first? Um, <laughs> oh, <dude>, Stony Brook, bro. <laughs> Fantastic game. Um, we're going to go over our final thoughts on that game as well. Um, but first, Reed, I think we got to lead with the biggest news. Um, you made me aware of this just now, so I'm not sure when this Kingsley Suomatia news came out, but um, do you want to just go ahead with that? Yeah, it, it, it just came out um, to the public. Uh, I think Hummer, Chris Hummer was the one who, who broke it on Twitter. Um, this is on Tuesday night. Uh, I knew about it a, a little bit ago, um, that it was kind of in the works potentially. Um, but yeah, it's, it's big news for sure. I mean, we all know the deal with Kingsley. Um, you know, I think that a lot of Ducks fans, fair or unfair, immediately kind of compared him to Penny Sewell with the close connection there, both being from Orem and very close. So there are high expectations for his career at Oregon. Uh, and now he's in the portal, um, looks to be heading back towards, you know, Utah area probably. Uh, and, and that was the deal on this one, just to be honest, from, from what I know about the situation, it's just a deal with him being homesick. Um, you know, typical college stuff, I guess you could say. Uh, it's unfortunate in this regard, but I think that, you know, for it's unfortunate for Oregon, I guess I could, should say, but I think, you know, football players aren't immune to these things, even though there's, there's some other factors at play. Um, or other things that are involved with at college, you know, I think that still you can have the same things happen that any college student has happened. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, he's had some injuries during his time here a little bit. I don't think that helped, you know, he's a big kind of veteran group right now and he wasn't able to crack the rotation immediately. Uh, you know, obviously those things don't help, but ultimately I, I don't blame Cristobal or anything for this. I think it's, um, it's just one of those things that happens in, in college football, to be honest. There's going to be a transfer here and there. Um, but the reality is this was a big one. You know, Kingsley's a potential impact player. There's a reason why everyone gets so excited about him signing with Oregon. So to have him be out of this 2021 class now is uh, certainly disappointing for a lot of Ducks fans, I would say. Yeah, and I mean – the blow, nothing against Kingsley. The blow is softened a little bit just because of his position. Um, it's, you know, being a tackle, you're a little more replaceable than, say, a five-star, like, quarterback or a five-star, you know, mm -hmm. uh, linebacker or something like that. Um, we've seen on this team how difficult that can be this season. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately, you know, I, I don't think, ironically, even though he's the most um, highly rated prospect in that 21 class um i don't think it's the even the biggest loss that we could have had 
Uh, still, though, it's never a good thing to see a guy leave like that. Um, so hopefully for him, he made the right decision and he can move on with his career in some sense because uh, he's still a very good football player. and He deserves to see the field at some point. Uh, there's no shade there. Like I'm not. It's not like we've been clamoring for Kingsley to get playing time this year or anything like that. He's a guy I would have loved to see play, obviously, but um, you know, let him do what he needs to do. So that's yeah, point. yeah. I completely agree with that. I think for the Ducks going forward, um, you know, the good news is this: this makes that Calvin Banks commitment mm-hmm. that much bigger. Obviously, uh, you need. I don't know. I think I think having at least one of those five-star guys at, at a left tackle potentially is really uh, great. We saw that with Penny, obviously, you know, uh, and we were able to have a really good offensive line just having four other really good players, don't get me wrong, but we had the one-star left tackle, and that was enough to make that group pretty elite. Um, and I think that, you know, we have a lot of good pieces in this offensive line room going forward. Uh, obviously the guys we're seeing this year are, are gelling and they had a good performance Saturday, which we talked about. Um, and you know, a guy like Jackson powers, Johnson has a really good potential from the 2021 class. I think Bram Walden in that class is going to be a really good player also. Um, and now you look at, you know, what, what we have going in 2022, you got banks in the fold already. Uh, you got Michael Wooten as a guy that the staff likes, um, I think that this, you know, at least from the outside perspective, accelerates the push for a player like Josh Connerly out of Washington, another five-star tackle in 2022. Um, you got to try to, you know, you have an extra spot essentially because Kingsley's out of the program now. Um, and honestly, this this also plays into a larger discussion just about spots and roster management in college football because you look at what Oregon is doing in the 2022 class and the reality is the numbers don't add up in terms of how many people they're trying to bring in versus how many spots they have to fill on a roster. So things like this are going to happen. Kingsley won't be the last name that enters the portal um, over this coming year. He might be the biggest name that does it, but um, that's what, that's the reality of, playing college football at this level if you're going to try to assign 25 guys in every class you're going to have a few transfer out and probably a few of those are going to be big name guys um that obviously doesn't mean you wanted kingsley to transit transfer out i that wasn't the case at all he's he's a very good player and i think Mm -hmm. he'll be good wherever he ends up as well but you know these these are the things that happen in college football and that's why you recruit at such a high level so that you can weather, uh, whether it be a transfer or an injury, whatever it is, those, at, those pieces of adversity and roster issues always hit. And when you have the depth of recruiting that Oregon is trying to get to, that's how you're able to withstand them. Totally agree. I think one major cliche uh, that's been sticking with me throughout this season is that, um, you know, <laughs> Every team deals with injuries. The great teams overcome those injuries and are still good when when injuries occur. Um, mm-hmm. And again, that's what stacking talent's all about. And in this era of the transfer portal, it is very difficult to keep that momentum going when some of your mm-hmm. better guys want to transfer out. Again, that's not necessarily what's happening here. We don't know the specific situation between him and coaches. 
Um, we do know he hasn't been seeing the field, but that might not be the full reason why he transferred. So, yeah, um, and, and you know, I think it's it's naive to jump to blaming coaches or anything. And obviously, that oh, yeah. isn't what you were doing. But you know, I just these things will happen ultimately. I think is the lesson, and uh, you know, Kingsley had a lot of good ties to the program with the Sewells and everything. And Chris Ball has had good relationships with every player that's come through here seemingly. So I think it's, you know, there's no point in jumping to that stuff. I think it's all noise um, in that regard. But, yeah, it's big news for sure. Um, you mentioned one of the – so you mentioned a couple pieces of news that I would like to touch on. Uh, one of them being Josh Connerly, uh, the 2022 five-star tackle is is coming to Oregon he well not officially that's breaking news he is officially coming to Oregon on an official visit um for this Colorado game uh you can check out the full list on scoopduck.com Jonathan Charles Mm -hmm. uh our guy prodigies put together a good list of that um there's four other guys and I think people will be interested in every single one of them uh do you maybe want to pull out another name that you're most excited about from this list without giving it all away yeah, um, yeah. There's a bunch of guys on there that that are all worth checking out. I think another one that that Oregon fans have been paying attention to a lot, uh, and won't be surprised to see that he's taking a visit is Cyrus Moss. That's a big edge rusher target that Oregon has had in their sights for a long time. Uh, we were both in attendance for Saturday Night Live when he was doing drills there. Um, big target in this class and. For Oregon, it's a chance to try to lock in, you know, or at least progress further to locking in Cyrus Moss's commitment uh, because that would be a huge piece in this class. Uh, But like you said, go check out the full list over on Scoop Duck. A lot of really exciting names there and some that I think people might not expect. So uh, definitely worth a look for people. Yep, totally. Um, Got to keep an eye, an eye on who's coming in, not just who's going out and playing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you know, this, this is how you get to know the program better is you get to know the names before they get here. Um, okay, another piece of news that you also touched on a little bit, Jackson Powers Johnson was named as, uh, was one of the guys named by Mario in terms of the injury outlook. Doesn't look great for him. It looks like he sprained his ankle. Um against UCLA, so he will probably be out a few weeks for that. Um, Alex Forsyth is still questionable as day-to-day. Like, honestly, mm-hmm. I'm going to assume he doesn't play in this game just because of what day-to-day has meant in the last two games for him. Of course, yeah. he's not playing. Yeah, um, and, and Cristobal did say in the presser, too, that that Forsyth was a, a go basically right until game time, he thought. so. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting what that means, but that said, uh, it is Colorado, you know, so I think the Ducks got through the big test last week. If there's any, you know, lingering thing there, it's a pretty easy game to sit him against Colorado. So um, I, I probably lean with what you're saying as well. Yeah. The only other guy in danger of missing time looks like Jordan Happel, um, obviously, who's the backup nickel at this point, or star, I guess is, is what they call it. Uh, behind Jordan, or sorry, behind <laughs> Jamal Hill. Mm. Oh, geez, it's not even that late, and I'm already messing names up. Um, so yeah, Happel might be out, but uh, we'll see about that. He doesn't get a ton of reps, anyways, but maybe something to keep an eye on um, if there's like who his backup might be 
should he not be able to go um, and if he'll need some reps uh, or needs to take a few reps off. So maybe something to keep an eye on there. Otherwise, though, Mario said everybody's good to go. Uh, that includes Mace Funa, who we saw go down against UCLA. Um, Troy Franklin, Jalen Red, uh, some questions there, but they're good. Steven Jones, Dante Manning as well. Um, so, yeah, all that information is from Scoop Duck, so go check out Scoop Duck. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jared Denny, for that article. Um, okay, let's get into Colorado a little bit, maybe see how uh, missing Forsyth might affect us or not affect the game at all. Mm-hmm. Um, Reed, do you want to start going down, like, what we can expect from this Colorado team in a very general sense? Yeah, I think that the highlight point is is horrible, horrible offense. Yes. Absolutely atrocious offensive team and a pretty solid defense. Uh, solid to even yeah. good, you could say. You know, probably yeah. <laughs> upper half of the Pac-12, but... Uh, ultimately, the fact that they have such a bad defense or, or such bad offense, I should say, um, is the storyline with Colorado right now. Um, I think we talked about it a little bit on Saturday. You know, overall, it, it would surprise me if Colorado broke double digits uh, without having a touchdown or a big special teams play. Uh, Mm -hmm. that kind of set up a short field position or a defensive play because Oregon should be able to completely overwhelm this team. Um, And I think that if they do that, it sets up pretty well, again, like we mentioned on our last podcast, for Oregon to get a lot of possessions offensively uh, and maybe shoot up there in the 30s, 40s, depending how you see it break. But, yeah, I think... Mm -hmm. You know, everything says that this should be a blowout game, even despite the fact that we've said that about Cal, we said that about Arizona, and those didn't totally come to fruition. Uh, even Stanford, we thought, could open up a little, you know, more than it did at least. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think that there is some reason to believe this team could turn a corner Uh you know, they're close to blowing out UCLA short of a few plays late, uh, a few big mistakes there. So, yeah, that's that's kind of my initial thoughts on it. What are you seeing? They being Oregon, of course, not Colorado. Yeah, <laughs> um, right, right. <laughs> just to be clear. Um, yeah, man, Colorado, for a team that has Jarek Broussard, they do him absolutely zero justice with their offensive line play. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually just fired their offensive line coach. Right. Usually not a great sign when you have Kayvon Thibodeau and Brandon Dorless and uh, Popo Mave and the rest of the guys um, ready to destroy your offense. Um, so yeah, quite frankly, like allowing this team double-digit points is like would be a little no, not double-digit wouldn't be concerning. Like twenty points would be concerning to give up to Colorado in this game. Yeah, I mean, um, I think anything over like you know, I think either. Anything over 14 is pretty, is really yeah. pretty worrying. Um, pretty depending, bad, yeah. depending when it comes, I guess, though, you know, it, it could be a situation where this, some of the backups get run in the second half. But I mean, you know, if, it's, if it's too, garbage right? time, that's one thing. But um, yeah. Um, Reed, Colorado has scored more than 14 points twice this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Without looking at their schedule, do you want to guess who those opponents are? 
Um, well, I know, I know the Arizona game they put up what thirty four, <laughs> uh, but they had Again, some non with a offensive lot of weird yeah. defensive, yeah, yeah, right. Um, I honestly couldn't tell you who the other one is it's, though. It's Northern Colorado. Yeah. Uh, okay, that makes team. that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Their point totals this year. So let, let's just real quick let's run through Colorado's results because I feel like that's the best way to get a temperature check on this team. Um, and fully illustrate how how bad offensively yes. they are. Like, don't take yes, our word exactly. for it. Look <laughs> at the schedule. <laughs> just look at the point totals, honestly. Um, yeah. So yeah, they beat Northern Colorado thirty-five to z- thirty-five to seven. Sorry. I mean, you expect a little bit more points against them, but, uh, you know, not a huge deal, right? Their next game was in week two in that wacky game against A&M where they uh, played in Denver. And mm-hmm. A&M scrapes out with a backup quarterback, uh, Zach Calzada, who, as we learned, is actually quite good, but he wasn't very good in this game. Right. Uh, A&M won 7-10, to so Colorado only got a touchdown. Against pretty much any other offense in America, A&M loses this game. Um, yeah, it I mean was seven they to were three for pretty much the entire thing. Yeah, like you look at uh, how A and M opens that second half, three and out, three and out, twenty yards and a punt, fumble. Like first four drives, they are begging Colorado to just put in the final nail in the coffin, and Colorado's offense just cannot do it. They could not do it, man. Um, Colorado scored that that touchdown in the first quarter and that was all she wrote um they were very bad in this game mm-hmm. again with Jarek Broussard who I believe was like Pac-12 like offensive player of the year or something yeah he was first team all conference last year um mm. but this year he hasn't had a single game over like uh double digit he hasn't had a triple digit yardage game mm. yet this season uh which really sucks for them but I'll Moving, I'll I will say that I think that this next game on their schedule is when the season <laughs> really turns because this is through, when we knew they were bad, bad. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that, I mean, even like the A&M game, A&M's ranked fifth at this point. We have to remember, right? They're not, yes, yes. they're not unranked. They're ranked number five in the country. So there's people who watch that and, you know, they just realize it's close and say, Maybe Colorado sneaky top twenty five, you know that. I mean, A and M was getting legit like, playoff shoot, buzz. So, if Colorado can play like this, maybe they'll be like a Pac twelve South contender, right? Like we were thinking at this point in the season that Colorado, that the Pac twelve South might have five contenders for a division <laughs> title. Um, which, if you've been paying attention in the last, well, five weeks, uh, you've known that isn't the case because in week three, Colorado lost. 30-0 to Minnesota. Got mm-hmm. blanked. Um, yep. At home, by the way. they This is a home game for them. Yep. And uh, Minnesota, while they <laughs> could technically end up uh, going to the Big Ten title game, they are bad. They are not great. Later lost um, to Bowling Green that year. Um, yes, or this exactly. year, I and should Bowling say. Bowling Green is a bad group of five <laughs> team. They're, yeah. just, they're not just group of five. They are bad group of five. And um, a few stats that stand out from this one. Uh, the I won't bury the lead. Rushing yard total for Colorado. You remember this one? Oh, I, um, I remember hearing it. Was it, in it like 13 or something like that? Negative 19. Negative 19. <laughs> it was worse than I thought. 
Oh my god. Negative 19 rushing yards. That's oh going for god. negative 0.9 per carry. <laughs> and uh that's gonna be some kind of record or something. Yeah, and uh six first downs on the game. So again, this Colorado offense is absolutely putrid. Like horrible. Yeah. Horrible yeah. offense. Um, they opened up conference play with a thir- thirty-five to thirteen loss at Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Very predictable. That might have been a cover, but I can't remember. Either way, it's bad. Um, then they lost to USC. We know how bad they are. Uh, at home, they lost thirty-seven to fourteen. Uh, obviously, they just they beat Arizona a couple weeks ago, thirty-four-zero. That's kind of whatever. And if you at all thought that they were turning around after that game. They come out which the I next did. week, which I, you I did. did <laughs> they come I mean, out the I, next I bet week. I them to cover against Colorado against Cal. Dude, yeah, I'm still doing this. God damn it! Colorado <laughs> and Cal are different teams. Um, yeah, twenty six to three loss against Cal last week. Um, yeah. for the Buffaloes, very not great. So let's get into some of these players, though. Um, I mentioned Jarek Broussard. He was All Conference last year uh, as a running back. Although All Conference last year only meant. Um, like 300-plus yards and two touchdowns on 84 carries. Or, sorry, that's what this year is, is, is 337 touchdowns. Or, Jesus Christ, man. 337 <laughs> yards and two touchdowns on 84 carries. That is bad. That's a four yard per, That's four yards per carry. Yeah. Um, you would expect quite a bit more. But, honestly, like, again, I just mentioned they fired their offensive line coach because their offensive line is terrible. It's definitely not yeah. entirely Broussard's fault. Um, again, yeah. last year, this seemed like a team that was on the rise. I mean, Carl Durrell looked like he had this thing going in the right direction. They were like, an, they were angry at the end of the year for not getting like a shot at the Pac-12 South title um, because I believe they were undefeated in conference play. Maybe yeah. they had one. They, yeah, I, they they, I think they um, – how did it go down? Because uh, USC ends up getting in over them and then – I think it's because USC had more wins. Like, like they were five and zero, and Colorado was four and zero. Yeah, in conference. yeah. Anyways, really weird stuff. Yeah, and then they got thrashed by Texas in like the Alamo Bowl. I'm pretty sure. Right, right. Um, another player worth mentioning on the offense for Colorado, uh, and we're really reaching because there aren't that many of these. But um, Brendan Rice, uh, who is actually the son of Jerry Rice, uh, and the Ducks were involved in that recruitment for a while, so. People might remember him. Uh, he is their leading receiver right now. 12 receptions, 178 yards. It's pretty solid, and especially given the offense that he's running in. Uh, mm-hmm. So he's been one of the few bright spots for for the Buffs offense, for sure. Yeah, emphasis on few. Again, this this team, man. I, I feel bad like saying this, but they are terrible. They have the... Uh, Using EPA, they have the worst rushing offense in the conference. Um, also, the just raw worst offense in the conference by some margin, too. I mean, their their EPA uh, per game on offense is negative 9.5. You have to, like, try to be that bad. For context, Arizona's is minus 5. So they're, like, almost twice as bad as Arizona's offense. Um, <laughs> and there's no other teams that are negative, by the way, in little epa epa per play they're a little bit better but um again they're 
overall, it's really rough. It's only because of their defense that saves that. Um, they have the third best rushing defense in the conference by EPA, um, which is trailing only UCLA and Oregon, by the way. Um, which, you know, that's a good sign for them, I guess. Uh, and like, technically speaking, they have the best defense as well by EPA, like overall in the Pac-12. So we'll see how Oregon's offense does against them. But um, the bottom line is you cannot be letting this team score any points. Uh, are there any guys from the defense you'd like to point out? I don't, I don't even know any of their players' names, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, I'm just kind of surfing this stuff. I mean, um, looks like Nate Landman is leading them in, in total tackles, uh, mm -hmm. in terms of the PFF grades that stand out, Carson Wells and edge rusher, uh, looks like he's been pretty good, especially in rush defense, um, cornerbacks, uh, Mekki Blackman and Christian Gonzalez. Both uh, seem to be playing pretty well, 71.9 and 71.1 from PFF. Again, this is a solid defense for as much as we are ragging on their offense. You know, the defense is pretty solid. Uh, would be good for a lot of for a lot of teams uh, in this conference. So, yeah. yeah I mean, and it might even be considered elite if their offense wasn't so bad and they had to play so much. Um yeah, true. I like we don't we'll never really know how good this defense even is because they're put in the absolute worst position possible by their offense. Yeah, man. This team this this offense is terrible. If you've um if you haven't had the pleasure or pain of watching Colorado this year, don't do it. Don't look <laughs> up any of their highlights. Don't try to like learn anything from what they do on offense. It's not worth it. I'm, I'm telling you right now, it's the worst thing you've ever seen, and it's terrible. Um, the, uh, I made the mistake of watching at least like two Colorado games this year. There's some people who like it. They have like a cult following because of how bad they are. I think like just <laughs> like they go out there. It's like a true adventure to see if they can get a first down, and you just kind of get to watch in disbelief as they, you know, it's it feels like they're trying to be bad almost. Watch them, watch them hang 28 on Oregon somehow now. but <laughs> Yeah, just, just kind of. Um, yeah, taking over at offensive line coach is um, – or sorry, Mitch Rodrigue, Rodrigue. I don't know if that's a typo. Is was the one who was fired. Um, I believe they promoted – oh, gosh, I can't remember his name. They promoted some former Alabama player to be the, be the backup O-line coach, now the real O-line coach. So we'll see what happens there, but – Moral of the story is, if this defense isn't winning the uh, line of scrimmage on every single down against this offensive line, something is wrong. Um, Loki, even with the backups, like <laughs> we very much need to to establish the uh, our defense in this game first and foremost. Um, and yeah, from there, field position should um, dictate the offense being able to just kind of punch it in. I mean. I think we saw a lot of good things from this offense. Probably our overall, probably like our second best offensive performance um, other than that Ohio State game. Uh, maybe even better overall. Honestly, I think AB was more consistent in that UCLA game uh, throwing the ball than the Ohio State game. I know he had the two picks, and that's kind of where the rub comes, but he was more accurate by far. Um, again, a lot of that helps when you're just throwing screen passes the whole time, but... Uh, Technically yeah. speaking, I, th I think it was a better game for maybe. 
Yeah, he was really good um, for most of it. Uh, Hithliday put out his his film review again, and that's one of the weekly articles I always like to read. But um, his commentary on AB was especially interesting. Uh, one thing that stood out is is kind of he said, you know, the, the weird thing with AB is there's no in between on his throws really. Most of it, or, you know, a good part of the time, they're really good, accurate balls, especially in this game. Uh, and then there's a few where it's like just a zero out of 10, like we said, kind of, you know, those interceptions were horrible. Um, and there's other ones, like one place stood out to me where where Micah does, you know, a, a route to the sideline. Um, and if, if AB throws a bullet, um, he has a good chance to get him, you know, hit him right in stride. But instead he lofts it and it just gives the DB enough time to come in and almost make a play on the ball. So there are a few like that that he didn't pay for. I mean, even, you know, I think we say two picks. In reality, AB really threw a third uh, at the goal line in a really bad spot that that was called back because of a an offsides call. Um and on that one, I didn't think that AB knew that it was an offsides. Uh, you know, the, uh, the other one that threw in the end zone and got tipped, I don't count that at, at all because he was just taking a shot. But the one that he tried to fit in, I think it was to Johnny Johnson uh, right on the goal line that the guy jumped and, and picked off when it was 14 nothing. That was a really bad decision or bad ball too, at least. Um, but overall, like you said, I think AB played a good game. Uh, and I also think he did a good job uh, in terms of reads. And that's what Hithliday said as well, is, is the, with the more data we see, it feels like the bad reads during the Arizona and Stanford game were the anomaly. And that AB is, is pretty good at running the offense overall. So that's, that was a positive as well. Yeah, definitely. Um... Here's me realizing once again that we have forgotten to do offensive and defensive MVPs from last game. Um, mm. So maybe we'll just give our closing thoughts as we do those. Um, for the offense, since you're mentioning it, honestly, like I'm having a hard time thinking of somebody. I, I might actually give it to AB here. I know he almost threw the game away late, but it ended up <laughs> technically not mattering. Um I mean, you could give it to Die, but like, because, you know, oh, how can you not give it to the guy who had four touchdowns? Well, <laughs> he wasn't really running the ball much overall, and those four touchdowns were just kind of punch it in plays. Maybe Devin Williams, honestly, um, coming up with all those big catches. Yeah, I think it's safe to give it to either Brown or Williams. What are you thinking for offense? Yeah, honestly, I would, I, I think that those are fair if you're trying to trying to find a guy who who made those highlight plays but honestly the the guys that really deserve it are probably the offensive line they kept a b clean um and were executed really well in the red zone got some holes for die that he cut through well but i think that was the unit that i came away most uh, proud of or something um because they you know, Forsyth goes down or is out before then. Jackson Powers Johnson goes down. They're flipping around. They're all playing out of position, it feels like. And somehow they were not the O-line that, you know, was getting pressure, was allowing pressure every single snap. Uh, they really held solid and, and played one of their best games. So that whole unit, I think, deserves deserves some special recognition in a game where a single skill position player didn't 
pop off the page for me totally. I'd like that. I'll Ryan Walk or TJ Bass. Um, mm-hmm. I'd be I'd be fine with either of them being your technical MVP. Um, defensively, I mean, it's got to be KT, right? Nobody else really. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> DJ James is is the other one, obviously. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking. I mean, the pass rush seemed to be the decisive factor in this in this one. So yeah. it kind of has to be KT. Yeah. Sense. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Doorless was awesome all day, though, and and so was Popo. Uh, and I mean the whole the whole front unit, Keon as well, Christian, Jason, uh, all those guys played so well. They, I think that um, it was a team effort defensively. Obviously, uh, secondary kept a lid on it, like we said, didn't allow anything big. Uh, the D line, interior D line, made it so they couldn't run. Kayvon, that's the star, obviously. You know, he's the one who is making the big sacks um, and pressuring uh, DTR a ton. Um, Even a guy like Bossa obviously deserves a ton of recognition for stepping Mm -hmm. into a spot. Uh, You know, he was like, we had a hole that someone needed to fill, and he stepped in and done it. Um, And, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, Noah Sewell and Kayvon had better games probably, but I think... You know, boss's importance to this unit compared to what we thought we might get out of that level of play was absolutely huge on Saturday. So, yep, definitely. Um, line for this game opened at 27 and a half, it's down to 24 actually, and you can even get it at like 23 and a half. Um, I honestly. I think Pate put this in his best bets, best bets, actually, the Ramen Noodle Express. He did? Um, yeah, I'm going to have a hard time staying off that minus 24 number for Oregon. That's that's quite tempting, uh, just considering how absolutely terrible. And here I am saying this, and we'll probably like make it a close game because we always seem yeah. to. Pate did put um, it at Oregon minus 23 and a half. Look at that. Yeah. But the the amount of bets are coming in even on each side. There's a little bit more money coming to Colorado, um, but overall, it's only a difference of like twelve percent. This is this is a pretty good spread. Mm-hmm. I think it'll hold up. So I think a lot of people were jumping on that Colorado number early when it was up to four touchdowns. But um, we don't pick this game for purposes of you know ducks. But uh, what are you thinking about this spread? Yeah, you know, I, I've said it a couple times. I think that I think Oregon has a good shot to cover. Um, ultimately, I mean, you know, I I just only think covered that, what twice this year. I think. I think the two losses, and we might have covered versus Stony if there's a line there. Um, no, I think it was like forty-one or something like that. Yeah, did I say the two losses? I meant the two games we weren't favored in. Uh, yeah. 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 Those two times where underdogs be covered, obviously. But um yeah, I, I do think we'll cover just because, you know, mostly for me it's about I think that Colorado's gonna get ten points probably, and that might even be generous. Um mm-hmm. I think there's a world where they get three. And you know, what even if the Ducks offense isn't perfect and, and this Colorado D is solid, I think we're going to find a way to get in the end zone four or five times probably. Um, and I think there's a world where we get in more. So, yeah, you know, I, I probably say a, something like 35 to seven, um, maybe 
3810 or something around there. And and maybe there's a chance that some backups get in too. Uh, and that mm-hmm. would be cool too. Because Oregon does have UW on, on deck next week. You know, get some extra rest for a rivalry game. Uh, get healthy for that would be nice as well, even though the Huskies aren't, haven't been great. What do you see? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm still of the opinion that anything can happen up north. Uh, I'm not ready to call that a done deal by any yeah. means yet. Um, I think it is very interesting, though, that we'll face the best rushing defense of the uh, in the conference this week against Colorado. I almost said Cal. Colorado. Um, and then we go and play Washington, who has the best passing defense in the league, uh, which even really though their team overall defense. is not great, yeah, um, it's going to be interesting to see how Moorhead handles those two situations. Um, another little uh, nugget for Colorado, um, I'm reading a practice report right now by Brandon, sorry, by Brian Howell um, on buffzone.com, and it says that Nate Landman, that linebacker edge guy we were talking about earlier, actually lim- um, left the game on Saturday in the fourth quarter and didn't practice on Monday. So that's mm. something to keep an eye on as well. I'm, I tried to find more news from it since then, but I couldn't. This is obviously from yesterday. Uh, yesterday meaning Monday. Also, um, Jarek Broussard also left the game on Saturday, but he did practice a little bit on Monday. So assuming how big of a game it is, I, I would assume Broussard's going to play, but maybe Landman's kind of up in the air. We don't know. Um, so yeah, just something to keep an eye on there. Do you have anything else to say about Colorado? Because I'm kind of kind of done with the bus now. No, I think uh, I think my last thing is we we used this metaphor earlier in the in the show, and some people said they liked it on Twitter mm-hmm. uh, with the you know comparing these games to school assignments. I think that <laughs> Oregon got a pretty good grade on their midterm versus UCLA. And this one is this is an attendance grade, man, and it's worth. It's yeah. not even it's not even worth anything. You just lose, you know, five points if you don't show up at all. So, <laughs> yeah, this it, team's been been falling asleep in class on these random assignments, <laughs> but nailing the tests, the big tests, we we nail them anyways. So, if yeah. that's good enough to get you your best grade, then go ahead. But uh, I think the committee might have something to say about that. Okay, you want to move on to these Pac-12 picks? Uh, Pac-12 picks or power rankings? Which do you want to do? I don't know. Which should we do first? Um, let's do the let's do the picks first, and then we can mention the power rankings as we go. That sounds good. Okay, um, let's start with Wazoo at Arizona State. Uh, Arizona State is favored by 15 in this game. Uh, Wazoo obviously coming off a three-game win streak. They lost to BYU last week without head coach Nick Rolovich. I somewhat correctly, somewhat incorrectly, assumed that this week would be their big letdown week instead of last week. Uh, A lot of people just expected them to fall on their faces against BYU without Rolovich. But they held their own, and, you know, they covered the four-and-a-half-point spread uh, as underdogs. So even though they lost that game, they didn't look totally incompetent. Um, will they look totally incompetent against the Sun Devils? Um, you know, I'm torn here. I think that Wazoo's played some good games. They beat Oregon State, obviously, which is a pretty good team, it looks like. Um, but at the same time, they've got blown out by USC. And uh, 
And the Sun Devils have been the only team that's really been able to blow teams out in this conference, it feels like, too. So I think I'm kind of leading Arizona State here, um, and I think that'll be my pick, but I'm not very confident about it at all. You just don't know what to see from this Cougs team, really. Yeah. Sorry, you said Arizona State, right? Yeah, Arizona State. All right, you take ASU. Yeah, this is a really tough one for me. Um, 15 is an interesting number. I think I'm also going to go ASU, though. Um, obviously, that number's trying to tempt you into taking uh, taking Wazoo with the insurance on two touchdowns. But, um, yeah. I mean, ASU probably has something to prove in this one after falling flat on their faces in the second half against uh, against. Utah. Also, the Sun Devils are coming off a bye, so they've had an extra week for this one. So, um, and right. and interestingly, I think Washington State's bye is next week before Oregon, so they've had a lot of games in a row. Uh, exactly. You know, yeah. so this is their ninth straight week of playing. So I think that after everything that's going on, maybe they're out of gas a little bit here. Yeah, I agree. This one that is the noon game on FS1. Uh, in case you're interested. That's noon Pacific. Don't worry about waking up too early for it. <laughs> um, yeah, if, if you want to watch Sure, it. a lot of people would be. <laughs> <laughs> Oregon, Colorado's on Big Fox at 1230. We already meant, talked about pretty that. pretty cool. Yeah. And again, this game was, or sorry, the, the Oregon-UCLA game, like the way they determined who got this spot was the winner of that game. Um, I think we got so, Heward on the call too. Which is funny. We do have Heward on the call, which, you know, I tend to like the Fox announcers, actually. Um, even Heward, even though he's kind of like a, kind of, kind of a little bit, but, um, and he's obviously a dub guy, so he confirmed is, but, uh, I don't know. They're kind of B and C teamers I like a little bit better than uh, ESPNs. I don't yeah. know why. Better than Gilmore. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's like D team, but yeah. Right, yeah. Um, Oregon State at Cal is this next game. We talked about this game a little bit in the mm-hmm. last episode because of this shocking spread in my mind. Um, yeah. This one's at 4 p.m. on the Pac-12 network. Cal is no longer the favorite, but it's Oregon State by one and a half. What are you thinking about this one? I'm going with the Beavs. Um you know, it's kind of funny. Like I would, I would be very ready to take Cal because I've been a little higher on Cal than a lot of other people. Uh, but the spread beat me to it and and overcorrected my take by a lot. I felt like, uh, you know, if it was north of a touchdown, I think I'd I'd be ready to, you know, take Cal to lose close. But this line doesn't give me any room for it. So I think I think the bees will squeak this one out. Um, but, yeah, you know, I mean, they, they lost to Wazoo on the road. They've been a worse team on the road definitely than at home, um, which is kind of odd given that you'd think that their run game travels pretty well. But, yeah, I think I think the Bees, you know, a little bit close to a touchdown, uh, I'll take them. I'm taking OSU, but uh, this I, – I, I don't know. I'm kind of on upset alert here. The line um, stinks for sure. The line is stinky. OS betting on OSU on the road is stinky. Um, mm-hmm. Like again, I, I just have that feeling that people are talking up the Beavers too much. You know, 
Yeah. Um, I'm still waiting for them to like come back down to earth a little bit. And they seem like a really well-drilled team right now, and they seem like they are good enough to keep doing this stuff, which is why I'm betting on them. But I don't know, man. I could definitely see Cal winning this game. Um, yeah, that's. I think that's the interesting thing because I, you know, I feel like Vegas could have easily put this line at six or more, and the public yeah. wouldn't have batted an eye at it. But so it says something that's down at one and a half for sure. Next game, uh, Arizona at USC. This one's on ESPNU at four o'clock. So we got uh, one noon game, one twelve thirty games, and two four o'clock games uh, before the after dark ones. Um, this is zero and seven Arizona at three and four USC. Uh, <laughs> one one of those records we expected at this point in the season. Um, the other one has a fired head coach. Uh, Arizona might end up with a fired head coach if they don't win a game. Or do you think, since it's been this long, that they'll stick with him no matter what? Uh, I, I think that – I don't think that they'll fire him this year. I think that um, – I think it's still early. Uh, you know, the roster just isn't quite there yet. I think you got to see it out a little more. But um, given uh, the spread is 21 on this one between USC and Arizona, I think I'm going to – Gonna ride with Arizona. Uh, I just don't trust USC at all. So, and Arizona's played pretty well in a few of these games where they've been big dogs. Yeah, twenty one's a tough spot. I'm still gonna go with USC though, just because I trust Slovis more than I trust Arizona to do anything. Mm-hmm. Which is not saying much, but um, it doesn't take much to beat Arizona, as mm-hmm. UW showed us last week. Um, yeah, talent gap, I think, is something we're not really accounting for anymore with USC, but maybe it's one we should account for in this game. How great would that be for Arizona, though, if they can pull that off? Um, yeah. yeah. I could I could see that one being close, for sure. It's the Pac-12. Any game can be close, if we're being honest with each other. <laughs> okay. Sure. Um, probably the best, well, not probably, the best game of the week in the Pac-12, UCLA at Utah. Um this is crucial for the Pac-12 South race, as you may have anticipated. UCLA basically eliminated from Pac-12 title conversation uh, if they lose this one. Utah controls their own destiny in the South, but um, not if they lose this game and Arizona State wins. So, so far between the three um, Pac-12 South contenders, meaning ASU, Utah, and UCLA, uh, Obviously, UCLA beat Arizona State, right? No, Arizona, no, Arizona State, State beat UCLA. Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty big. Yeah, and then Utah lost to ASU. Um, no, Utah sorry, beat Utah ASU. Utah beat ASU. <laughs> Jesus, dude, I'm reading these backwards. Um, and then this is kind of the third end of that trifecta, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, yeah. Maybe we end up in a situation where UCLA wins and then like all three teams have beaten each other. Um, am I... I'm not missing any games between those two, am I? No, no, no. It would just be on ASU then to to hold on at that point and go undefeated. Um, but if they drop a game, then it's they're all tied at two losses. And I think someone told me that UCLA would go in in that case, but I don't know why that would be. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I'd have to. We'd have to break out like the calculator to figure that one out. I think, but. Um, 
Yeah, man. Pac-12 South is getting real, real interesting, and this is the biggest game mm. left probably uh, until the end of the year. So keep an eye on that one for sure. Um, that game is on, at, I believe I mentioned this, but 7 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, Utah's six-and-a-half-point favorite. Read your pick. I'm going to go with UCLA. Uh, I'm a little nervous with Utah being at home, but uh, and I'm a, I'm a little nervous that it's a letdown spot for UCLA. I know that the Bruins have been – the fans have been pretty vocal about not being too pleased with Chip Kelly, and I think he could be on his way out, honestly, uh, which kind of surprises me. But I think if UCLA plays their best and DTR is, is back – uh, because he played an awesome game versus Oregon, honestly. They should be within a field goal or around a field goal uh, against Utah. So I'm going to go with UCLA, but I'm a little nervous because I could see them having a flat performance, especially on the road. I'm also going to go with UCLA. I kind of agree with you that Utah should have you know, taken hold of this conference last week against Oregon State. I mean, I think that win, regardless of the Oregon and UCLA outcome, probably would have kept them in the driver's seat uh, in the conference heading forward. But, yeah, man, this is this is a tough one. I see it. I still think if I had to give a score prediction, I think it would be Utah by, like, a field goal. I'm not super confident in the Bruins, but um, I don't know. I think this is a tough line giving a whole touchdown almost to Utah. So I'll, I'll take UCLA. Uh, it's the first underdog I've picked this week, so we'll see how that goes. And then the final game, the mighty UW Huskies going down to the farm to take on Stanford. Uh, this is obviously a, an awkward situation for the Huskies, being that they lost their last game against Stanford last year. As is well chronicled, that was their only loss of the entire season, and it was at home after Stanford practiced in a park and whatnot. Um <laughs> Reed, I have two questions for this one. Uh, first of all, why is Stanford only a two-and-a-half-point spread? And the second question, are either of these teams making a bowl game at 3-4 uh, right now? Well, the first, question, the first question, why is Stanford only a two-and-a-half-point spread? Uh, probably because these are two of the worst line-of-scrimmage teams in the country. Uh, I think they both rank in the hundreds in both uh, rushing yards per game and opponent rushing yards per game. Um, the question of are they making a bowl game, I can already tell you without looking at schedules that Washington is not. And as I pull up Stanford's schedule, I'm going to go ahead and say they are not either. They yeah, they need three more wins. So even if they beat Washington, which I think they will, I think Stanford wins and covers, by the way, uh, they're probably losing to Utah. They're probably getting absolutely ran over by Oregon State as well. They also have Cal and Notre Dame left, and those are going to be tough games too. So I think best-case scenario for them – well, maybe not best-case. I mean, they did beat Oregon, but – more likely than Something not. like five wins at max. Yeah, exactly. You know, you win the Washington and the Cal game. Uh, anything else would be a pretty big upset for them to beat Utah, Oregon State, or Notre Dame. So 
Yeah, I'll go Stanford to win and cover, and I'll go neither of them to make a bowl game. Same, same. I feel like Stan- uh, I have a little more confidence than you that Stanford can pull one of those upset wins. Again, I, those, I'm kind of those, expecting. Those teams are all reading. just pretty good, is is what I would say. You know, if it was yeah, a Washington too, State game both- left or something, but yeah. They're all kind of inconsistent. I don't know. Notre Dame games at home, that's better than going to South Bend, even if Stanford doesn't have a crowd. Um, yeah, I don't know. Cal's pretty bad. I, I count. I would count that as a win if I'm Stanford. Well, okay, real quick. Are Stanford and UW uh, the two worst Pac-12 North teams in your eye? Like, where do they fall in these power rankings? I, I think we can assume it's Arizona than Colorado coming going bottom up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we want to go bottom up, who's the next team I'd name after that? Dude, right now it's tough for me not to say Washington uh, is yeah. the 10th spot in this conference. Uh, I'll just be real there. I, I just don't think they're that good. Uh, what about you? Who's who's your number 10? I agree. It's got to be Stan- It's got to be Washington. But is Stanford the next team is kind of the rub here? I mean, I think they're kind of mm-hmm. on a tier with like USC and Cal as yeah. being like yeah they just outside a bowl game right now yeah they also have a kind of funny uh round robin thing with wazoo uh yeah usc stanford and wazoo all have a round robin where they all lost to each other and the usc win over wazoo was dominant and the stanford win over usc was dominant the stanford wazoo game was pretty close um so I don't know, I but Stanford I feel like has just overachieved so much from a results perspective. I think that they have a good case to be, uh, to be maybe sixth in the conference. But okay, uh, in terms of how good I think they actually are, I think they're closer to to eight probably. Um, yeah, I would go UW ten. Then, I don't know. It depends if you're looking forward on Wazoo or not. No, just from what we've seen so far. So I'd go UW 10. I'd go USC 9 because I hate them. I would go uh, Cal 8. I still have Cal worse than USC, bro. Who do you think? I mean, that game is next (laughs) week, I think. Uh, Two weeks from now. Yeah, it's a while. No, I mean I might be lying there. I guess I guess probably Cal, probably Cal eight, uh, or Cal nine, USC eight, Wazoo seven, Stanford six, based on results. But I think feels so. None of these teams deserve to be six. Is the problem? <laughs> yeah, we don't have a six. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a tier though. Like between Colorado and Arizona, way at the bottom, and between like. The top five, which seems pretty clear at this point, I think those just kind of the rest category. Um, yeah, and let's go top down with our top five real quick. Uh, yeah. So Ducks at one. I think yep. we both have that. And personally, I think that's pretty clear. I, I argued with the no truck stops people a little bit in that because uh, their poll had Ducks at 116 points and Beeves at 113 points really close. Look, I think the Beavs are good. I've been a Beavs supporter overall. I think that they're on yeah. the edge of being ranked, but 
you know, there's a reason they're favored by one and a half against Cal, I think. Uh, and the <laughs> loss at Wazoo is not great. And even the Utah game, they played well, but they definitely needed some breaks for that to go their way. But, I mean, Utah's Utah's pretty good. Uh, I definitely have the beats, too, to be clear. But, like, Oregon won at Ohio State, and then they only have yeah. – and they're very close to being undefeated right now. I think people lose sight of that a little bit because they've had down performances. But, hey, you know, if one ref doesn't throw a flag with zero seconds left, this team would be 7-0. and And that no one else in the conference can say they're even close to that. So, true. yeah. Yeah. Um, OSU 2, Utah 3 still for me, and then UCLA oh. 4. Wow, you have ASU that low? Yeah. Dude, they look terrible against Utah. Okay, I'll put them against UCLA. You know, I I, I guess I just feel like... Yeah, I've got them three. I don't know. That that Utah (laughs) game, that ASU-Utah game is just tough to make sense of. Because part of me is like, hey, if ASU had that game at home they probably just blow the doors off of them in the second half too. You know, like I think that that, I think. Yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. ASU's three. Yeah. You've convinced me. I think ASU has, ASU has some problems in terms of maturity and just like, you know, they, they definitely folded and they got blown out by Utah in that second half. But like when they're clicking, if they don't blink and like look and realize that they're human and that they could lose, like they could have just rolled through Utah and they did that to UCLA. Uh, so that's impressive enough to me where I, and they've blown out more teams than anyone else in conference. So I have them mm-hmm. three, but yeah. All right. That works for me. And Utah four, uh, UCLA five, by the way. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Bump everybody down. Um, okay. Uh, one thing I forgot to address about the UCLA game, actually, have you seen this uh, field goal controversy stuff? Yeah, yeah, I have. You Funny got any comment on it. <laughs> my my comment was I forget who said this on Twitter. I wish I could credit them. Was hey, the refs gave UCLA that field goal back at yes, the end of the yes. first half. <laughs> what a coincidence! <laughs> on the uh, stunt call for those who don't know what we're talking about, where they called Oregon. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So the controversy as well. I guess I should outline it for those who don't know. Um, Apparently, the UCLA field goal at the end of the first half did go in. Um, I thought it went in when we were watching it live, but it's the sort of thing where if, if I think the refs made the wrong call, I won't, I'm not going to say anything because like, they're the ones standing under the goalpost and I'm just watching on TV. But Jesus, man, how much more incompetent can these, can these refs get yeah. like, overall? I'm I'm horrible at reading uh, kicks on TV too. I will oh, say, same. like I'm always yeah. like, oh, that's missed, and then I see him put the hands up, and I'm like, oh, it looks good, and then they miss, and then they wave the hands to the side, and yeah. You gotta just watch the crowd behind the the goalposts. That's what I right. always do. You just right. wait for the reactions. Um, okay, that that UW Stanford game is 7:30 on FS1, um, so go check that out. All Saturday games. Look at that. No more of this Friday stuff. Um, actually, I believe that comes back two weeks from now, Utah-Stanford play on Friday, but whatever, whatever. Let's move into some national talk. 
Reed, um, you started. What were oh. you going to say? Go ahead. No, you both. Oh, well, I just wanted to do some. Uh, are we doing games or are we doing like perspective on playoff and the Ducks and everything like that? Let's do playoff talk first. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, as we started mentioning last pod, we were kind of going through and like looking at the, trying to predict the official playoff rankings when they come out for the first time next Tuesday. Um, just sort of looking at the AP poll and like who we think might be legit, who actually has a shot. Just to rehash, uh, for those who don't remember, I think we pretty much landed on like the top the top like eight in the AP poll right now have a legitimate shot. Maybe Wake Forest has a shot mm-hmm. if they stay undefeated, but mm-hmm. even that will be interesting. Um, even if Pitt wins the ACC, I don't think they will get it just because of that loss to Western Michigan is, is pretty damning. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean – Let's let's go through our list of legitimate playoff, you know, teams that we could see in the playoff. Not these aren't predictions. Obviously, we're going to name more than four teams. Um, mm-hmm. Georgia's the easy one. Bama's yeah. the other easy one. Um, Ohio State, I think, is a clear one. Like if they win out, well, maybe we should save that one. <laughs> Georgia, Bama, two checks right if if they win out they're in either one of those teams if georgia loses to bama or if they yeah. lose somewhere else and beat bama uh in the sec title game then i think it's safe to say they're still in mm-hmm. um, but again so they, they play each at? other in the sec title game um yeah yeah, yeah and I, do you want me to do these percentages now or should i wait for them till the end i guess let's you just name some percentages if you want yeah. let's just name some teams right now and then i'll go through some percentages to add context to it um yeah, so the real contenders are Georgia, Bama if they win out and beat Georgia, um, Cincinnati if they win out. We're just going through the rankings at this point. But Oklahoma, yeah. if they're undefeated, are in, obviously. One loss, we'll see uh, what how that shakes out. Ohio State, if they win out, are in. Michigan, if they win out and are undefeated, are obviously be. in. If they drop the game to... Ohio State, they might still be in. Um, here, okay. Depending here's question, what shakes though. out. Yeah. Yes. Undefeated Oregon, the mm-hmm. rest of the way. Yeah. Right. So twelve and one Oregon. Yeah. Versus what would be eleven and one Michigan Oregon. if they lose to Ohio State. Agree. Hundred percent. Right. Yeah. There's no question uh, there. No matter Especially how if it's not ugly close. our losses are. Yeah. Well, or well, how ugly our wins are. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah, we'll see how uh, it will obviously matter how close that Michigan Ohio State game is. But in general, I think Oregon has the edge in that. It would have to be a lot of ugly games for Oregon, and one really pretty loss for Michigan. You know, for it to flip the other way. Um, Michigan State. Same thing goes for Michigan State. Everything yeah. we just said about Michigan applies there. Yeah. Um, they're also 7-0, and they play the same teams. I think that a really under-the-radar team is Ole Miss right now. People mm. are going to say it's crazy, right? But yeah. here's what Ole Miss needs to happen. One, they get through you know the rest of their schedule, obviously. Uh, that's a game, big game at Auburn that they're a three-point uh, dog in this weekend 
and Texas A&M's left. Other than that, not that bad. Liberty, Vanderbilt, easy wins. Mississippi State could be a good game for sure. Thursday Egg Bowl. Thursday Egg Bowl. Really weird. But here's the thing that people are not seeing. If Bama loses the Iron Bowl to Auburn, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ole Miss is in. Ole Miss is in the SEC championship game against Georgia. That's going to be an uphill battle, but they're the same as this this Bama team. You know, they will have a prayer to win that game against Georgia. Yes, again, it's an uphill battle. Pick Georgia, all of that. But Ole Miss wins out, and Bama drops a game to Auburn or drops any other game, and Ole Miss is a lock to be in, obviously, if they win the SEC. So that's a team that people have dismissed that I think has a real shot. So now, say Ole Miss win out and Bama don't drop a game. No shot in your eyes? 11-1 and one Ole Miss gets it? With their only loss being at Bama? No, you're, that's a good point. There actually still is a pretty good shot, I think. Uh, really? And and maybe they... Well, here's my thing, uh, and, and I guess I'll switch to numbers now. Um, so I put out a tweet. Uh, this is on... The, Monday, um, that using the S and P plus, which I thought was pretty interesting. Apparently only seven other people thought so, but, uh, no, but anyway, so, so I, here's, I just did the simple math S and P plus does win, win total projections. And this is just for the 12 regular season games. Um, and so what I did was I included every team from the power five with any chance to still have one loss through 12 games and every team from the group of five with any chance to still go undefeated. That is 19 total teams that are still alive right now, basically in the playoff. But here's a few things that stood out to me. Okay. Um, Alabama has only a 49.5% chance to win the rest of their games before they go to Georgia. Less mm-hmm. basically 50%. Yeah. If they lose any that of is those, really interesting. they're done, right? Mind oh. you, those four games are LSU at home, New Mexico State at home, Arkansas at home, and the Iron Bowl at Auburn. Yep. Here's another big one. Oklahoma currently undefeated. Mm-hmm. 51.4%. That's not to win out. That's to lose to to at least have one loss. So that means a 48.6% chance that they lose two more in their final games of the regular season before we get to the conference championship. Yep. Oklahoma with Texas Tech at home this week. That's mm-hmm. more that's a more interesting matchup than people might think. And even though Texas coach just got fired, but yes, and 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 they have Baylor Iowa State and Oklahoma State to end the year. Even with one loss, the Sooners are on thin ice, but they have a 50% chance of having two losses in their final, what is it, five, four or five games here. Um, other as ones. Tough as it gets down the stretch in the Big yep. 12. Ohio State only has a 28.7% chance to make it to the end of the regular season uh, with only the loss to Oregon. So that means we're getting into almost three out of four times Ohio State's going to lose one here. Mm-hmm. Michigan, 29.5. Again, this is to go 11-1 and one or better. So that means 
70% of the time, this Michigan team is going to be 10 or two, 10 and two or worse. Um, mm-hmm. So this, here's the thing. I'll, people always talk about, look, a lot of things need to go right for Oregon to get back into the playoff race. And my thing is, no, it's the complete opposite. Chaos is the norm in this sport. What needs mm. to go, what needs to break is for Oregon to not get in. And in order for that to happen, all of these teams need to win out when they're not favored to do so. Um, because or- I think Oregon gets in over a one-loss Oklahoma. I think that Oregon gets in over a two-loss Bama, obviously. A one-loss Michigan, we think they probably are in over. Obviously, if Ohio State gets another loss, they're in over them. Uh, and all of these teams, outside of Georgia, no one is better than a 50% chance to even be alive at the end of 12 games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will mention, I mean, yeah. in in your said tweet, Oregon is in there at mm-hmm. a a little 11.7% to go 11-1 or better. So the, you know, they're still predicting, the S&P Plus still is predicting an Oregon loss somewhere else on this schedule yep. uh, before the end of the regular season. But honestly, I mean, in looking at a lot of these other teams' schedules down the stretch, like Colorado, UW, Wazoo, Utah, and Oregon State do not look as fearsome as like even Ohio State's schedule, man. Yeah. Penn State. At Nebraska, you know, Nebraska's terrible, but we've seen teams struggle on the road there. They're not terrible uh, this year. Purdue, yeah, recently, we've seen upset yeah. some teams, we've, mm-hmm. including Ohio State in the past. Uh, and then their last two games are Michigan State and at Michigan, two teams that are still undefeated right now. So, Yeah, and um, an interesting point I heard someone make is, you know, you take or you take uh, the games Ohio State has played since Oregon. And look, you know, they've been impressive in them, but straight up, their next five five hardest games on the schedule are the Mm -hmm. ones they have in front of them after Oregon, probably. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the five teams that they've beaten up on, they've done it as impressive as you can, but they've been all bad teams. And the other thing is, what... The most chaos happens in November. That Mm -hmm. is when the college football season really starts to take its toll. The pressure goes up a notch. Playoffs are right there. The end of the season is there. But your team is starting to deal with injuries. Their legs are gone, all this stuff. That's when the chaos usually really hits. And Mm -hmm. a lot of these teams, whether it's by losing games or – playing them too close in the case of Oklahoma have almost removed their margin for error down the stretch. And there's a good bet that, um, you know, you, you just think of the big, what everyone's been saying is these big four teams, Georgia, Oklahoma, Alabama, and Ohio state, obviously Georgia is the exception to this debate. They have an 82.5% chance to finish 11, one, one or better. And if they knock off Florida this week, I bet that climbs even more. Uh, Georgia's in a really good spot, obviously. Um, but you look at the other ones that everyone's saying, oh, the season's been so crazy, but watch these teams, watch Oklahoma, Bama, and Ohio State end up in the championship. Well, that's not what the numbers are saying right now. It's saying that 
all those teams are facing an uphill battle to get there for sure, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's saying Bama. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's saying Bama has a fifty percent chance to even get to the test versus Georgia, which we will all favor Georgia in. Uh, and it's you know it's saying o- Oklahoma has a fifty percent chance to even get to another test in uh, in the Big Twelve championship, and that's even if you say that with one loss they're in. Ohio State is really facing an uphill battle with at 28.7 of, of remaining unbeaten through here. And even if they get even if the 28.7 works out, they've got a test against Iowa likely uh, coming out of the other side of the Big Ten in the conference championship that isn't even factored in here. Um, Notre Dame at 17.1 is an interesting one to look at as well. Uh, I mentioned Ole Miss earlier. They say only eight and eight point two percent chance that Ole Miss makes it the rest of the way. And obviously, their game versus Auburn this weekend is a big chance in that. Uh, and uh, last things are, if you want to look at the G five, it's Cincy with a forty one point four percent chance to go unbeaten. Um, that's the biggest one, obviously, and you could argue that's the only one with a chance, but. I went ahead and mentioned UTSA, who's played well. I, I don't think any of these other three have the brand to do it, even if they go do go undefeated, but it, we'll see how crazy it gets. But UTSA, 22.4% chance to go 12-0. San Diego State, 12.3. SMU, 2.8. And they'd have to go through Cincinnati twice in all likelihood. Um, anyways, all that is to say there's a lot more chaos left in this college football season Uh it would appear. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, real quick, I have just jotted down a list of all the one-loss Power 5 teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to go through, and we should rank these. There are four, five, six, 15. seven, eight, nine of them. Oh, what? Wait. No, just the one-loss. Oh, the one-loss. Oh, oh, not the undefeated. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um. I want to rank these one-loss teams. Are you including I, I, ND? I am. And okay, I want to cool. see if... For, the first question is, do you think Oregon's at the top of these at the top of this list? Hmm. If I were to rank them right now. Ohio State is... Ohio State and Ole Miss seem like the most likely threats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, where are you putting these teams? Yeah, well, Bama's in there too, obviously. I don't know if you include... Yeah, yeah. but I, I was kind of assuming Bama was on top, actually. Yeah, right. Um... Yeah, they're they're the most obvious threat, and you got to put Bam in ahead right now. But again, you know, fair or not, obviously Oregon doesn't play the same caliber of opponents as Bama does in the SEC. But Bama lost a game at A and M that they shouldn't have, and they don't have much margin for error now. So even if you think they're better than Oregon, they have a shot to lose, as we just talked about. But I Bama won. Um, Ohio State's playing really good ball right now, obviously. And, you know, I'm not going to be mad at people who say they'd pick them to beat Oregon, maybe. But what I will say is you don't, you're not allowed to say that they win by a lot of points like you did. (laughs) We saw this game. Yeah. (laughs) And and you're especially not allowed to say it if you were in the crowd who said that they're, oh, they're going to beat Oregon by three scores when they played the first time. (laughs) Like, you just don't get to just. do a mulligan over of that and act like the result didn't happen. Um, but, you know, I, I think Ohio State, if I'm talking about who could beat Georgia, 
yeah, I probably have them above Oregon right now. I probably have Ole Miss above Oregon as well. Um, and then I have Oregon right after that personally. So it seems like a tier is formed then. We got Georgia on its own tier, then Bama, then these three of Oregon, Ohio State, Ole Miss. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the one-loss teams. Right, and, and Michigan and Oklahoma uh, would be in that tier if you were to throw in the undefeated. And Michigan State would be in that tier maybe. Um, Michigan State probably on the low end, but you could make an argument for them. Yeah. That's how and I then, I mean, it. the rest of these teams, though, like – I, I think those Ohio State and Ole Miss and Bama are the three teams we have to really root for an extra loss for. Mm-hmm. I think if we take care of our business, which is obviously priority number one, um, then I don't see us getting passed by an I. I don't see us getting passed by Iowa, Notre Dame, Kentucky, Baylor, Oak State, or Pitt. Any of those teams. Yeah. Yep. I agree with that. Um, you know, I think that the. In the SEC, obviously, like Kentucky, Georgia would have to collapse and then Kentucky makes an SEC title game. Or maybe if Kentucky wins out, but I I just don't see that happening. Um, Wake, even if they're unbeaten, I don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'd say. Yeah. Um, and Cincy, obviously, you got to root for a loss to, for I as well. I was just going to yeah. talk about Cincy. You're, uh, you also posted the group of five odds to go 12-0, and 0, and Cincy's at 41%. Yep. 41.4%. That is not very good. Uh, anyone who watched that Navy game this last weekend saw some cracks in Cincinnati. I thought they would get dropped down for that, honestly. Um, we've seen other teams across the country get dropped down for, for poor performances before during this year. So why not them? Like, <laughs> Why yeah. are they still number two? Everyone knows Bama's would be better than them. Um, yeah, I think I think yeah. that it will be really interesting to see what the playoffs committee says about them in about a week here. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if they're slotted fourth or fifth. Hey, I mean, quite honestly, I think you can't put them in over Oregon if they're undefeated. I, they might put them in, but I really think that uh, I think a 12 and one Oregon is more deserving of that spot than Cincy personally. Well, and we've, all I have to say about that is we've seen this movie before. Right. And we know how it ends. Yeah. So. Um, another thing I want to talk about real quick is is just how the S&P Plus breaks down Oregon's odds specifically and maybe mm-hmm. just get a little feel about how, how we think the final five games of this Oregon regular season schedule will go. Um, so I think it's probably fair to characterize Oregon fans feelings in general right now as five and one, five and O's the goal four and ones, a likely alternative. And that's kind of where most people's mindsets are at, I would say. Um, but that's not really the, how these statistics break it down. Um, so S and P plus has Oregon at a, 12% 12% chance to go 11 and 1, a 34% chance to go 10 and 2, a 34% chance again to go 9 and 3, hmm. a 17% chance to go 8 and 4. That's wow. higher than they have them to go 11 and 1. Uh, so wow. that would mean a 1 and 4 through the final rest of the stretch. Um, and a 4% chance to go seven and five, which would mean they lose out. 
Uh, overall, the projection is 9.3 wins for this Oregon team to finish at. Uh, what would so so overall? Just you know, to recap, the thing that I'm seeing is that this number sees the tension in Oregon's rest of Oregon's schedule between going uh, between going four and one and three and two, rather than between going five and zero oh and four and one, and they actually yeah. lean towards three and two. Uh, what do you think the win total in these final five games looks like? I think I think it's four still. Yeah. Um, again, I I keep saying this, man, and I I don't want to speak anything doing into existence, but like I don't care how bad UW is, this will be their Super Bowl next yep. weekend. Yeah. Uh, same thing goes for Wazoo. Same thing goes for Oregon State. Um, Same thing goes for Utah, by the way. And then Utah is just a well. Utah is just a really tough place to play. I mean, they still could be yeah. playing for the right. Pac-12 South title. Um, and or and Oregon State will, in all likelihood, be playing for the North as well, especially after they survived Utah this week. Yeah, we'll see how it goes um, against Cal this weekend. Real quick, I want to read off the Beaver schedule as well, just to give people a sense of what's yeah, going good on. Yeah, good call. Um, they play at Cal this weekend, as we mentioned. Next, they play at Colorado, so you assume that you know should be a win there. Uh, they host Stanford again. Like, mm-hmm. if this team is, if they go into that game seven and two, you would expect uh, the Beavers to beat Stanford at home. But crazier things have happened. They then, and this is where it gets pivotal. They then host ASU. So on the yeah. same day that Oregon goes to play Utah, Oregon State will be hosting ASU. And I mean, if you're if you're the Beavers, you look at that and say like, oh my God, we could pass Oregon in the standings before we even get to the the game. Well, that's not really true because if Oregon beats Oregon State, then it doesn't matter anyways. Um, mm-hmm. But it is just something to keep in the back of your mind. Um, and then obviously Thanksgiving weekend, it's it's the Oregon game. So yeah, I, th- I think uh, that's a good point. Uh, Insofar as peop- a lot of people are already hyping up Oregon, Oregon State as it being for the North. And I yeah. think from an Oregon perspective, feels pretty good right now that we think these next four games, Oregon, you know, probably three and one is is not worst case scenario, but it's, you know, more than likely that's the worst yeah. that they're going to be. Uh and if that's the case, they still will have every chance to. They still will have a chance to win and go to the Pac-12 title versus the Beavs. Uh, but that's not necessarily true for Oregon State because, like we said, they have a they have a close game against Cal this week, and then Arizona State they probably won't be favored in. I would guess right now based on how Vegas is seeing it, and Stanford's losable as well. So. Yeah, something else I'd like to point out real quick. Uh, another good resource if you just want kind of a numerical estimate about how the rest of the season might go is 538.com. They have like uh, college football predictions. They don't have every team. And in fact, right now they only have two Pac-12 teams, which is kind of annoying. But obviously Oregon's one of them. Um, and it's just interesting to see like they have um, their four playoff teams right now are Georgia, Bama, Oklahoma, and Ohio State with Cincinnati and Michigan as the 5-6, and then Oregon at 7th. Um, this is sorted by chances to make the playoff. 
um, mm-hmm. has Oregon at a 20% chance to make the playoff overall. Wow. And a 41% chance to win the conference. So they're saying even if we win the conference, there's like a 60% chance that we'd be in. Or, sorry, 50% that we'd be in. Again, hypothetically, I, in from right now. I think that you're kind of doing that the... Uh, I said it backwards, but... Well, well, yeah, just yeah. just like, you know, if... If or the the I think the vast majority of the situations in which Oregon State or which which in which Oregon wins the conference and misses the playoff is when they win the conference with two losses. Yeah, exactly. I think what those um, numbers are saying is more time. The vast majority of times, if Oregon's twelve and one and won the conference, they're in. Um, if Oregon wins out, their odds their percentage jumps to and this in, winning out hmm. including the Pac-12 title game it jumps to 84%. Yeah. So safe to say if we if we win out we're in but we kind of already knew that based on what we discussed. If you select Oregon to win out and Ohio State to win out, um, Ohio State's at a 93% chance and we're at an 82%. Yeah. That's 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 the side of things I don't like though because that just is so subjective like Yeah. Yeah. Com- it is. Who knows how that debate will shape up. We'll just have to see what the committee has to say. But, yeah. yeah. On its own, if last one I'll do to say this, on its own, if Cincinnati wins out, they have a 71% chance to get in. So yeah. I think that's kind of interesting. Um, all right. Is that enough playoff talk for now? You want to move on to the slate? Yeah, one more piece of news I should mention, uh, just about Oregon's outlook, too. Uh is we've talked a little bit about the UW game, and um, there was some pretty significant injury news out of Washington uh, yesterday. Uh, both Richard Newton, their running back, and Eddie uh, they're one of their best linebackers, uh, mm-hmm. injured and out for the season. So that's... Not great. Yeah, that certainly is a hit for UW. Uh and yeah, something to you know that that could affect that Ducks matchup next week. It very well could. Uh, it very well could. All right, let's move on to the slate this week. There's a lot of good games, particularly early games. Um, so you want to get some. You definitely want to have your TV on before the Oregon game starts. Hundred percent. Yep. I mean, who in their right mind would miss Cincy at Tulane? I, I really don't know, um, especially anyone who has the opportunity to go to the stadium. There's really no excuse to be missing that game. No but, way, dude. I, I was up in the air, but I mean, come on. Michigan, Michigan State, and Iowa-Wisconsin. Yeah. I'm not missing those. And Texas-Baylor. Texas-Baylor also at that time. Yeah, there's a lot of good early Big Ten games. Um, but I'll be rooting for Miami Tulane from about a half mile away. So. <laughs> Um, there's also when does Ohio State play? Ohio State play six thirty weekend. Oh, that's a six thirty game. Okay, or um, four thirty for you guys. Sorry. Right, right. Uh, that's six thirty God's time, as they say. <laughs> um, obviously, uh, the Oregon game should pretty much be sufficient at that time. If you have a second screen, Wazoo at ASU is a good one. Um, oh wow! Even wow! Wow! You're just, you're just skipping over Georgia, Florida, aren't you? Well, I, that was going to be the next one I said. I'm just reading. 
just reading it off this list right here, man. <laughs> I'm going down the list. Um, Oklahoma on upset watch at that hour as well, uh, 3.30. So I keep an eye on that. Yeah, Georgia-Florida is on at 3.30, CBS. I, I think sure – what do you it. think of Georgia-Florida? Give the – as an insider there, give the uh, give the fans a quick preview. Um, this 14-point spread is not nearly enough. That is my preview. I've, I've heard a lot of people saying it's going to be around a 30 to 20 game. That's all I'm going to say. Good for those people. Uh, good for those people. <laughs> um, yeah, so recently, though, real quick, uh, Josh Pate's been circling back about like the Mullen, Dan Mullen versus Kirby Smart oh, debate yeah. in Florida and Georgia. That is all I really think I need to say about that. Um, yeah, the, the debate being... In the summer, people were talking like, oh, would you trade Dan Mullen for Kirby Smart? Some people say yes. Nobody in their right mind is saying they would trade Kirby Smart for Dan Mullen. Yeah. So. I think uh, that makes me think of the the other big game this weekend or another one is, is Penn State, Ohio State, like we mentioned. And I think uh, there's starting to be some worrying stuff coming from Penn State. I don't know if you saw James Franklin's interview today. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, he was, they, they asked about distractions surrounding his future, uh, given that he just hired new agent Jimmy Sexton, big name in SEC circles, uh, with the potential that James Franklin could be up for both the USC and LSU jobs for context. Uh, and he said, the focus is just on Illinois which obviously is not who Penn State is playing this week. Um, well, if, you, if I want to play devil's advocate, which I do, uh, he's so overworked from preparing for Ohio State that, he, you know, it was just a Freudian slip in there. Um, this, the line for that game, by the way, opened at 11.5 in favor of Ohio State, of course. Mm-hmm. It has since moved to 18.5, so... Just something to keep an yeah. eye on there. I'll say I think that this is a big weekend for Ducks fans to just hope for anyone uh, to go down. You know, whether it's Ohio, exactly. Ohio State, Oklahoma, uh, Michigan, maybe uh, Georgia would be nice if it happened. I know you won't say that. Uh, Ole Miss could be nice if it happened. Um, all those teams, you know, I think Oregon just hopes someone uh, one of those upsets gets hit this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, who does Michigan play? Let me Michigan State. Here. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Iowa, too, at four, at six and one. I mean, you say that Iowa's done, uh, but hey, look, you know, if they somehow scrape through the rest of the schedule, which isn't that hard, and they make it to, uh, a Big Ten t- championship game, and they beat someone in an uphill battle. They're going to have a good case at twelve and one uh, in Big Ten champs. That's so a, I mean, they're <laughs> they're underdogs on the road against Wisconsin. So yeah, it'd be a lot simpler if they lost this weekend, wouldn't it? Another one to keep an eye on at the four o'clock window: Ole Miss at Auburn. That's number ten, Ole Miss at number eighteen, Auburn. Yeah. Uh, and as you mentioned, I believe Ole Miss is underdogs in that game. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah, you want to root for two loss Auburn in that one. Arizona USC also on at that time. Um, just kind of a good temp check on both those programs, mostly USC. Um, and then like 
there's not much going on in the late games, to be honest. Uh, Pac-12 ones are the best. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, UCLA, Utah, and then Washington and Stanford is the... You know, you get some nice Pac-12 on your plate at the end. Maybe North Carolina, Notre Dame, maybe UNC can pull off that upset. Yeah. The world seems to have forgotten about them after all that preseason hype in the number 10 ranking, I believe. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But uh, any other games you want to shout out? Nah, I think we hit them. All right, cool. Cool, cool, cool. I think we are done with this episode, Reed. Um, maybe we want to give uh, an official score prediction for this game. The Colorado game? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll lock myself in at uh, 38-7, Ducks. 38-7, I like it. I'm going to go with 40-10. to 10. I also... Some nice round numbers. I also want to mention, one week from today, we're going to have a, a big sheet of playoff rankings in front of us, uh, ready yep. to break it all down, and looks you know let's not jinx anything but excited to see where the ducks are going to be in that (laughs) yeah big big knocking on wood um all right cool thanks for hanging with us uh on the quacked out pod please rate us five stars uh reach out to us on twitter at ducks pod um and yeah send us some questions we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about on this podcast as long as we remember but yeah <laughs> as long as we remember yes there is that caveat but we have a higher chance of remembering if you give us something to remember so go give us those questions or don't i don't care um all right signing off i'm charlie folks said i'm reed and reed tingling <laughs> yeah yeah good job um go ducks go ducks <laughs>